All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we're here once again to dissect this member and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2001 J-Horror, that's Japanese horror, uh, film Pulse, Pulse, also known as Cairo uh, in Japan, which translates to The Circuit. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and discuss this one today, uh, fresh off the heels of our evil Deadathon. But before we do that, Andrew, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Speaking of evil Deadathon, I know you and I talked about this already. But uh, it seems like Evil Dead Rise is already on digital, which is crazy. I feel like it's been two weeks since it came out in theaters. Has it has it been longer? Two weeks, three weeks, two weeks? Not uh, very long. Yeah, about 30 days, something like that. And I was actually talking to that with somebody as a co-worker of mine, actually, um, because we noticed that the Dungeons & Dragons movie, which I would definitely highly mm-hmm. recommend, um, is also out on digital, too. I, I, a lot of these movies are releasing 30 days after video or movie release, which is fantastic, personally, for me. Um, I, I think it's great. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it can be hard sometimes to like dedicate the time to go all the way to the theater and do that. And it's a lot easier just in the theater, especially like, you know, Avatar, the way of water. I will, I will watch Avatar, the way of water, the way James Cameron intended in five different segments, three of them on my phone, two of them on my TV. And one of which at least I am in bed before I fall asleep. That's the way that James Cameron intended it. Absolutely. He definitely, he, 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 honestly, I think he was really a good proponent of the idea of like taking a movie and breaking it up into smaller pieces. I think he's, you know, being yeah. on your phone a little bit, you know, seeing what's going on. I think he's really, he, he really likes that. It's otherwise, why would he make scenes take so long to happen? You know, like, that's true. He, he puts those, those, those spaces where nothing really happens and no plot is developed just so, you know, because he knows he'd have to go to the bathroom at some point. Yeah, like exactly. Built in bathroom breaks. It's one fantastic. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a great guy for that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, doing good, doing good. Yeah, man, living the dream. You know, it's uh, I've been running outside so often. It's so good. I ran a uh, 15 miles one day just for like funsies, uh, and I was like, so I, was, I was thinking about how I wanted to run a, like a half marathon someday, and I was like, oh, let's see what it's like. And I ran 15 miles and got like lost and had to run back. <laughs> um, so I, it was it was great. It was, it was an so awesome wait, you've run. never done like an actual like official half marathon? No. I just thought I'd really? like give it a try, and I was like, "Let me see, let me see if I can go, if I can go half marathon distance." And uh, okay, I cool. ran up into like the neighboring town, and then got lost, and like didn't know where I was, but just kept running around until I eventually found my way back. Okay, gotcha. Because you did two more miles than a half marathon. It's thirteen point one. Yeah, way to know, go. That, 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 that way, I can like, <laughs> when it, when the time comes, I'll be ready for it. <laughs> oh man, do it on a whim. Yeah, no, I I ran my half marathon, and I had to prep for it for a long time, and I I ran it. It was great, uh, but afterwards, I was just like, yeah, I never want to do that again. And then I just kind of gave up running altogether and focused <gasps> on other stuff. So, trauma, yeah. tragedy. I feel like that's, yeah. I, I want to find an actual half marathon to do. I feel like there's a cool thing you can go do in Disney or something like that. Um, oh yeah, you can get to run in the parks or something like that, which like. Could be cool. I don't. I just don't know if I value Disney or not. That's my only question. I have to debate yeah. if I care about Disney. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely Disney properties that I enjoy, and I enjoy just the whole engineering behind the theme park and all the social engineering they do and that sort of thing too. But as a conglomerate, eh. Uh, let's see. World's biggest half marathons. Because uh, yeah, my wife and I we ran. Um, 
a couple 10Ks in April, uh, one of which was in Richmond, Virginia, which is the third biggest 10K in the entire country. And then there's the other one in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which is the fourth biggest one. So that was pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. The biggest one is apparently the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon. And that's an Indianapolis. That's a mini marathon. Oh, because half. I get it. Never mind. I get it. <laughs> you don't want to. You want to go. You don't want to go to Indianapolis. Brooklyn half marathon. That might be fun. Disney mm. World, of course. San Francisco. Uh, let's see. Ooh, Rock and Roll USA Nation's Capital half marathon. That's in DC. And there's a Philly one too. That's pretty big. Yeah, a lot of the rock and roll ones are on that front. Um, mm. Yeah. The only thing is, I I know this is for full marathons. I don't know this is for half marathons, but. You know, you, you obviously have to go into a lottery of some sort that may or may not be accepted into the marathon, or you can go with a, um, like a sponsorship. Yeah. 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 So um, there, you got to roll the dice on that one right there. Chicago does have a few, like, half marathons. I did sign up for one with my cousin, but then COVID hit, so we didn't do Rude. that. It wasn't the official one, but it was uh, one that was kind of along the lake shore, which is pretty cool. That would have been pretty fun to do. But, mm-hmm. no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm in my jujitsu slash Maga phase right now. Do a jiu-jitsu Krav Maga marathon where you just fight off a horde of people. It's like, it's like Super Smash Bros where they just keep coming down. And you fight them yeah. off one, one after another. I was going to say the Matrix Revolution, the scene with um, Neo fighting all the Agent Smith, but I like Super Smash Bros. a lot better. That's, I mean, that's I think great. all that CG would be terrible. It's not worth it. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. Speaking of uh, Disney and uh, you know our, our, our traditional Alien and Predator watch, uh, recently a, a podcast, uh, Perfect Organism, uh, released a little update. Uh, so back in like, 2016... They wrote, they had made and commit like they uh, was Fox made an uh, Alien vs Predator anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it was CG more or less, but they actually they had and the, the person uh, recently kind of they did an interview with the guy who made it and he did a report on how um, they actually he mentioned that they actually the entire series is complete. It's mixed. It's voiced. It's completed. But Disney mm-hmm. just holding on to it. It's like a ten episode series. I think I think it's more CG animated, but it, um, than it is like animated animated like. Uh, but um, they, they did get a Japanese company to produce it. I think it's, they said it's the same people who did Starship Troopers, the anime mm. movies. But there's an anime series of Alien vs. Predator just sitting somewhere, and Disney's holding mm. on to it. Fucking dicks. Disney Vault. <laughs> Rude. Disney Vault. Gotta hold it on I'm there. I'm gonna go to Disney. I'm gonna break in there. I'm gonna be like, where is it? <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I, I think I saw an article like said they were gonna take some stuff off Disney Plus um, that's currently streaming, and I was like, wasn't that one of the big selling points of Disney Plus is like they're opening up the vault entirely and all that sort oh of really thing. well i know yeah. they're talking about kind of condensing hulu and disney back into one again at least in america i know in, in other countries and that already is the thing yeah, but i think that, they're talking I, about doing that, that would here. make sense definitely but it was just yeah i mean they're gonna compete yeah. with max you know the, the new hbo max but just max because who knows why uh-huh. yep great but yeah but how, how are you doing um, other you know uh, uh, uh you know outside of uh reminiscing on old running days how are you doing Good, good. Knee deep in Zelda right now. Tears of the Kingdom came out, so um, enjoying that. We talked about that a little bit before we actually got started. Um, ooh, let's see. I went to a concert last night um, by myself. Uh, one of my favorite bands, the Gaslight Anthem, who makes an appearance in Scream Six, by the way. Wait, what? Uh, they, yeah, um, the scene where. Um, Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Jenna Ortega and the love interest are sitting on the bed together near the beginning of the movie. I'm like, it's a slow, oh, will yeah. they, won't they? So saying, yeah, that was uh, Brian Fallon. He um, did a solo project when the band was broken up. So 
Long story short, band broke up back in, I don't know, 2015, 2016, something like that. Maybe even longer than that. Uh, but basically, yeah, they said, you know, you get five albums. That's all you're getting. Not getting anymore. We're moving on to other things. And then the lead singer, Brian Fallon, did a few solo projects. He put out four albums. Um, and one of the songs he wrote would, did make its way into Scream 6, which was pretty cool to hear. Um, but yeah, basically they posted on Instagram about a few months ago, five or six months ago, something like that, and said, hey, sorry to disappoint you, but we are no longer, you know, there's not going to be a 10th uh, anniversary reunion concert, nor are we going to have a documentary about us, like a lot of you are kind of suspecting. <laughs> However, we are getting back together and we're producing new music, so thanks for that. And we were just like, what? Why, why would you phrase it like that? That's hilarious. That's the best way uh, to phrase yeah, it. Yeah, but it's pretty cool because like, I've seen a lot of other of my favorite bands live except for this one, and I kind of resigned myself to the fact that, okay, I'm never going to see these guys live, but it was pretty cool to see them. Um, so yeah, that was that. Uh, the only thing is, of course, it was a concert. There was a couple drunk girls behind me, and they were very, very obnoxious. One of them, honest to God, sounded like Minnie Mouse the whole way through, <laughs> speaking of it's Disney. Amazing. And it's one of those two. So just so basically, they were obviously very excited. They were obviously very happy. One of them was from Jersey, and I know that because Brian <laughs> Fallon and the Gaslight Anthem is also from Jersey, and it's kind of a big part of the core identity, like Bruce Springsteen. Um, but the entire time she was shouting, just like, yeah, I'm from Jersey, too. Woo. And we're just like, we get it. Um, but as the concert, we were kind of mingling in the pits before um, it actually started. And I could hear them talking behind us. And apparently one of the girls met another one of the girls. And they introduced themselves. And they're both their names were Rachel. And one was just like, are you Rachel with an A? And like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just knew. I just knew by looking at your face, you're a Rachel with an A. Are you yeah, an Aries? Aries? Are you an Aries? Yes, I'm an Aries. I knew you were an Aries. And just, yeah. They, it was like that for pretty much the whole first few <laughs> songs. Um, eventually, I guess one of them got way too drunk and just couldn't stand the heat of being in a crowd of people and she was just like i just i gotta go i gotta go i'm overheating and i was just like fine by me <laughs> so Damn. that's but, uh that's that's uh interesting <laughs> yeah that was yeah. that was thankfully it was fine um overall uh brian fallon had a lot of good banter with the crowd um he thinks michael keaton is the best batman and he thinks christian bale was Take a shitty batman <laughs> i mean i'm okay with the christian bale thing but we all know that's bat like like come on <laughs> yeah, he did say he was at like one point in this. I don't know how we got on this topic, but he was just like, and Christian Bale was a shitty Batman. Michael Keaton is the best Batman. Ben Affleck is okay. Ben Affleck is okay. Right, he's, he's pretty right. good. He's pretty good on that front. And Robert Pattinson was shit. And then like he kept interjecting into the lyrics. Like he would change up the lyrics of just like start singing something. And then he would interject. And Batman, Christian Bale sucked. Yeah, come at me. Fight me. Fight me. And at the very end of the concert, he was just like, all right, you know what? I got something to confess to you all. I thought Robin Pattinson was pretty good, honestly. I actually met his girlfriend. She's way more famous than I am. And uh, he's a pretty good, nice guy, too. Who, who's his <laughs> so, girlfriend? I don't know. Let's see. Well, clearly, she's not that famous, then. I guess so. Or I just don't know. Uh, Suki Waterhouse. What? Isn't that like the uh, name of the girl from True Blood? That's actually what he said. He was just like, yeah, I always want to say Suki's uh, stack house, but it's not that. Uh, yeah, apparently she was in Detective Pikachu, the Di- Di- Divergent series, Assassination Nation, The Bad Batch, Love Rosie. Who was she in Detective Pikachu? That's the only That's movie I've seen. That's a great question. By her. Uh, Miss Norman slash Ditto. Oh, she's the she Ditto. Was, she was Ditto? 
She was ditto, I guess. I mean, that's a flex. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's... Who's Miss Norman, I wonder? Um, Because I feel like that's very uh, Pokemon, you know, like the Pokemon animated series where it's like, you know, they're... They're they're playing the main character, but they're also voicing half, voicing half the Pokemon. So that's mm-hmm. that's great. She was in Pride like... and Prejudice and Zombies too. I don't know. Bad We've been gosh. talking way too long on this part. Let's get into the movie. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So this was my suggestion. Um, we are going to once again cover uh, Pulse of two thousand one J Horror, directed by uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, this has kind of been its reputation has been like it's. On the same level of like the grudge, rain, that sort of thing in terms of the J-horror that came on over. I was exposed to this movie back in high school, actually. Um, That would have been like 2005, 2006-ish that I downloaded it. Um, The American remake had come out, or not come out, but at that point it was kind of going through a resurgence, kind of going through its popularity again. And I was full on into my anime phase at this point, and I remember kind of looking around Torrent sites or... It was Napster at that point, or Kaza, and uh, basically trying to find any of these J-horror movies that I really wanted to see. Uh, This one kind of stuck out to me a little bit. I haven't, I saw it again periodically throughout my life, but it's been quite some time since I saw it again. I did have an American remake back in 2006. That actually may be how I heard about it in the first place. Um, But... That's kind of where this came from. I was curious to explore this movie again. A little bit of trivia here and there that I found from multiple different sites. Um, You know, like I said before, the um, translation of this is The Circuits. Um, And uh, Takashi Miike um, actually said this is one of the only films that has ever frightened him as an adult. Um, So I thought that was a pretty cool bit of trivia. Um, of course, there is the 2006 remake, which, by all intents and purposes, I have not seen, and I've heard is shit, um, but that's that on that front. So, uh, yeah, what was your exposure to this movie? Was this your first time? Yeah, this was like, this is definitely my first time. I'd, I'd seen, like, clips of it, or, like, I don't know, clips with GIFs. I've seen GIFs of it, mm-hmm. um, different elements. Um, but, no, yeah, I'd never seen it before. Um, I definitely had, like, a passing experience with the remake, and I feel like I knew when the remake came out, I knew that it was a remake of a Japanese movie, because I think at that point in time, Ring and uh, Grudge and all of them were coming out, I imagine. Because um, mm. I, I was aware of that element of it. Yeah, um, Dark Water, One Missed Call, that sort of thing. They're all kind of lumped together. Yeah, I feel like they all came out at the same time. I, I had seen parts of... They were, they're not the original Pulse, I, I apologize. The first of the American uh, series of Pulse. Um, mm-hmm. I'd seen parts of it. I knew that Kirsten Bell was in it. Um, but I remember like not buying into it. Like It just seemed very generic to me, so I was like, I don't care. Um, mm. I will say I... What I assumed the movie was about, based on the trailer and the clips I'd seen, um, and like the parts I'd seen of, of the remake, really, I think, oversold the American remake in my mind, because I, I, mm-hmm. I watched some clips after we watched this, and it really seemed like I had imagined a much scarier movie than the American remake was. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this is my first time with it. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I was, I'm, a, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I really like this movie, too. Um, it's, personally, for me, I mean... Like we talked about before, both of us lived in Asia. We both visited Japan many times. And, of course, we have been weebs at certain points of our lives, some more than others. And, you know, some could argue we are still anime Japanophiles um, at that point. <laughs> uh, definitely you more than we, nerd. Um, no, but I 100% will admit to it as well. Uh, but basically, yeah, what I'm trying to get at is we both have a pretty decent knowledge of Japanese culture. 
And to me personally, it was really interesting watching this movie, just kind of seeing a time capsule into when this movie was filmed, which was, you know, Y2K, basically. Mm -hmm. This is... This movie was filmed around the year 2000. Um, what was going on then? Dial-up was, you know, basically the only connection you could have at that point in time. A lot of people were, you know, just learning about the internet. The AOL discs were being put on in there. And it was just really interesting just to see how society was reflected in this particular movie. What types of social... Um, social anxieties that the culture was feeling at the time regarding isolation, regarding fear of technology that came on through. Um, and on the revisit back to this movie, I actually had a lot of flashbacks to uh, Hideo Kojima's uh, Death Stranding, uh, the game, which is oh. all about, you know, isolation, people putting themselves into boxes and then using technology to kind of rely on it, or even then technology kind of serving to uh, speed along the isolation as well. So I'm wondering if Kojima was kind of inspired by this movie as well, because this is a very influential movie in terms of J-horror. Like I said, this is like on the level of The Grudge, The Rain, um, that sort of thing. A lot of J-horror fanatics are just like, you have to watch this movie beforehand, um, you know, just to get a sense of exactly what it was at that time. Um, so the premise of this movie, if you have not seen it, and we will begin to spoil the territory, but we will be giving you a warning beforehand. Uh, but the basic premise is we've got two different um, types of uh, plot lines going along, and both of them are kind of centered around technology and how it's affecting the current population at the time. Uh, one of which is, uh, and I'm sorry, I have to pull up the Wikipedia so I don't mispronounce these names. Uh, there we go. Yeah, so we have uh, Michi, uh, who is basically she works at a flower shop or a plant shop. And uh, with her co-workers, they basically get roped into this mystery of several co-workers, several friends, and then just innocent bystanders seem to be retreating into a deep depression over time and then eventually killing themselves in very, like, matter-of-fact, not as extravagant ways, just kind of fading from existence, giving up on life. Um, we also go ahead and follow another plot line with uh, Ryosuke, who is looking at connecting to the internet. He's a little bit curious, a little bit aloof, uh, but he is someone that's very positive, very can-do attitude, full of life, almost anime protagonist, show and protagonist in that way. Um, but the two of them are kind of exploring this phenomenon that's affecting Japan, where apparently ghosts are leveraging technology in some way to come on into the physical realm and affect the emotional state of people to the extent where they're either killing themselves or literally just fading into the walls. Um, so it's a very, very slow burn. There aren't many jump scares in this movie, but it is one of those movies where just the atmosphere is oppressive the whole way through, and it just makes you a little bit unnerved. Um, it's also a great movie to kind of watch as there's a lot of camera work in terms of looking behind the characters that are framed in the shot, seeing what's going on behind them. Um, and one thing that's kind of interesting is a lot of this movie was actually filmed through windows. So the oh. camera actually went ahead and they looked at the window and pointed it on that front, uh, which gives it a little bit of an effect, but not only as an observer effect, but it adds to the etherealness of this movie at all. Because one thing I do love about this movie is... We, we've both been to Japan. We've both been to Shinjuku Station during rush hour, or at least I have. I'm sure you've been to Shinjuku as well. Um, but mm. it is cramped. It is so many people in Tokyo all over the place. And so much of this movie is very 28 Days Later themed where we are following people 
walking through empty streets or empty towns or empty, you know, arcades, bars, izakayas, that sort of thing. And it's very, very weird to see that. And it kind of did, because 28 Days Later was, what, 2006, 2007, something like that? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, so that came, this came out way before that. Um, but it's just, it's very eerie to see Japan so sparse and so isolated um, when normally it's a very crowded city, which obviously plays into the themes. Um, but yeah, you gave your little uh, spiel. Um, so you like this movie? Yeah, no, I, I really, I, I enjoyed it. And I think for the same reasons you mentioned, like I think the atmosphere was really great. Um, I think, oh, actually, no, 20 days later, 2002. Wow. Oh, wow. 28, 28 weeks later, 2007. Um, okay, gotcha. Uh, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I think, I think the atmosphere like you mentioned is great. I think it's, it is a very kind of like, I don't know, it's a slow burn, but almost I think that's really adds to the tension of it. And like you mentioned, like that feeling of like emptiness to a degree, which I think, you know, kind of mimics what some of the characters are going through throughout it. Um, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I don't. I feel like it's hard to talk about that spoiling it, but no, I really enjoyed it. I think it's it's not a movie I think I'm going to watch very often, just because I think mm-hmm. it, like you know it is a slow burn, but it's one of those movies that you appreciate. Um, you know, regardless, you know, it's not. I'm not going to throw it on or you know at like a party or you know with friends, but it's you know it's definitely yeah. a great experience to watch it. Yeah, this is definitely a lights off, sound up, headphones possibly, just staring at the screen, kind of trying to find out, oh, is that a ghost in the background right there? Or is something going on at that front? Just really letting yourself feel the atmosphere as it comes on through. Mm. Um, and I, I, I did really enjoy it for that. But again, to me personally, watching this movie again, now that I've lived in Asia, now that I've experienced Japan firsthand, it is very interesting to see you know just how much of the themes um reflect on the current society at the time it was almost like a time capsule in a way Mm -hmm. so yeah i really like this movie too i can definitely see why it's very influential um in terms of spoiler free territory i want to talk about i do want to talk about the ghost design Mm -hmm. um because there's definitely an element of afraid of technology um like again this was kind of written or filmed during the y2k sort of era on that front um so a lot of people were a little bit terrified of technology or kind of like what is it going to do to us as a society um almost like mirroring what ai is going to look like currently when we're recording this in 2023 um but basically yeah a lot of people were just like this is the internet how is it going to affect us how is it going to affect a development of children we all know it's coming but what sort of societal upheaval is it going to cause and i feel this movie really taps into the theme of the question of what if this technology makes us more isolated what mm-hmm. if this makes us retreat into ourselves not go out experience life experience groups um experience human contact but instead we replace it with communication through these and in this movie the ghosts are framed as death is basically just eternal isolation it's eternal loneliness you don't meet anyone you don't see anyone you are just by yourself in the afterlife forever which is a terrifying concept and to me personally these ghost and this is my interpretation and this this is all speculation this is not spoilers so to say but i it to me personally the ghosts in this movie are not so much an evil entity but more so a force of nature like they've devolved into a point where basically they're like an animal that is just reaching out for something not fully cognizant of exactly what they're doing um and because of their actions they are affecting the physical realm and changing that from there 
Um, but I do really like the ghost design. It's not so much a freaky grudge style monster where her, you know, eyes are sunken and pale and the mouth makes the clicky noise and that sort of thing. It is basically just humans. They have a little bit of a glow to them. They are a little bit more pale, but at the same time, it's more so in their movements, the way they walk, the way they speak, the way they just kind of stare unblinking. Um, it's depressing to look at them, honestly. And they feel this movie did a great job of just kind of experiencing the sadness of what they're feeling at that time. Um, they're, they're scary, definitely, at points. But at the same time, you kind of feel a sadness for them. Yeah, and I think that's actually yeah. a really great thing to point out. Like, I, I, I yeah, I never felt like scared conventionally. Um, and I think that's that's because I, I, I watched a comparison of some of the scenes from this one in the remake, and just the first ghost you really see in the movie, um, the, the 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 walking scene. I guess I'll scrap it that way. Yeah. Seeing how they tried to you know frame it um, in the U.S. version, trying to make it more creepy, but I feel like almost failing entirely. While this you know this this like quiet kind of just like. Yeah, I like the way you describe like an animal, like you know, just kind of like creeping forward almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I really, I really appreciate that. I think it makes it more scary. I think the the quiet tone, the somberness of just like what's going on, like you know, seeing a scary monster run at you is shocking at first, but you know, we're something we're used to. But this idea of something that's like, uh, I don't know, the impending uh, the dread of it coming towards you. I think you know, that's a lot of what this is about the dread of death and the being alone and kind of fearing that. I think. The way they move or the way that they don't move, I think, is almost more, um, you know, hammering home that message, but also more effective as, like, a creepy eventuality that's going to occur. Um, yeah, which it's I, almost like, uncanny valley in that way. Like, yeah. this is, and, of course, the whole element of this used to be a human and mm-hmm. what happened to it, what happened in its mind to break to cause it to become this creature. When I, I really like to hear that, though, you brought up the, the way techn- like technology was kind of a part of this. Like, obviously it is because it's about, you know, um, the... Uh, you know, the, um, you know, the advent of the, of the internet, which, you know, again, it's meant to connect people. But as you mentioned, and, you know, as we've actually seen a lot, is a lot of people kind of, you know, even though the internet is meant to connect things, that it is a service that connects different things. Uh, you know, a lot of people do kind of, you know, cage themselves in with it or, you know, or use it as their only means of access to the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that one of our main, one of our main protagonists has no idea how the fucking internet works, <laughs> which is great and amazing. Like it's funny to see him ask questions about it, about things. That yeah, and I love know, that the child can because answer. yeah, no, I love that because it's kind of the same thing it, that that was the era at the time. Like you know, it's what the fuck is the internet? It's like Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> or mm-hmm. the Homer Simpson. Who they have the internet on computers now? But like <laughs> that was the time. Like I remember, I got my first computer when I was five years old. I actually do remember it as a memory and. Um, setting up the internet with my dad with windows 98 and all that stuff it's uh yeah there there was an error on that front Mm -hmm. and now we're kind of retreating this is a big problem in lower education is a lot of the younger generation is not growing up to be technology literates um where they use chromebooks or they use ipads and they don't know how to use windows platforms so there's a lot of people entering the workforce right now that don't know basic functionalities with a computer um so it's interesting yeah yeah it's that Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you, you finished your thoughts first. Uh, no, that was basically it. Like, it is a problem that I am seeing and I'm hearing a lot about, um, especially when I did used to teach elementary school. I kind of recognized that. It was just like, oh, well, you know, back when I was in younger, we were teaching keyboarding skills. We were teaching, like, um, how to search the internet and uh, that sort of thing. And they still do that, definitely, but it looks a lot different. And keyboarding has kind of take, fallen by the wayside, too. 
Mm. Yeah. Uh, that is true, yeah. I'll get some trouble with that. Um, but I was yeah. going to the, the mention that I think it's interesting, um, the kind of contrast of how this movie fears technology, um, you know, the, the lack of uh, technology that we really see in the movie. And then if you think of, I think when people think of Japan, they think of this very technologically advanced society, um, mm. which it is, obviously. You know, it definitely has become that. Um, but I like, I like, that's almost like a contrast. I think a lot of people uh, would see that, like, well, you know, Japan makes a lot of technology, makes a lot of phones, makes a lot of computers and stuff. So it's just so interesting that, uh, you know, this movie is about that fear and about that, uh, you know, the, what technology will do and how it will change our society. Um, it's that, you know, part of me wonders too how much that relates to, uh, you know, like past advances in, in technology and what they've done for Japan and for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where we're, you know, I'm, I feel like, you know, no, obviously this is a general statement, but I feel like a lot of, uh, especially in a lot of animated films, there's a lot of uh, focus on technology versus the environment, you know, uh, the environment. And in this movie, we see technology encroaching on a girl whose uh, job is to take care of plants. Like she's incumbent. I don't know what her position is exactly, but it seems Mm -hmm. to be some kind of botanist-like position. So Mm -hmm. I always find that really interesting. Um, And, you know, again, like that's that idea of like growing and flourishing versus just kind of like they go into into these dark places, you know, like where the plants wouldn't survive and where they, that's where they kind of succumb to this. Like nobody succumbs to this out in the open. They also come to this in these dark rooms, these sectioned off areas. Um, But anyway. Yeah. um, And I wonder how much too was reflected because this movie was kind of on the tail end of the lost decades in Japan, which was mm -hmm. basically a decade of wage growth and GDP barely grew i actually just looked it up in wikipedia right now um from 1991 to 2003 the gdp only grew by 1.14 percent um per year which is very very small um so there's this whole generation that was kind of going through this decade-long recession the economy in japan wasn't doing too great i wonder how much of that kind of societal anxiety fed on over to this movie of just mm. like oh yeah now they have the internet now this could be a way to kickstart and move on in but is that's what's going to happen well is that is that also sorry with the last year is that also like where that um that like i don't know how to describe it i forget what the, the term is but like that i, I know there's there's a point in time I, it must have been then where we're like working you know like showing being a hard worker like that that ethic came in of like staying you know, sacrificing your family, sacrificing your life to work, essentially. is that Was that when that came out of, or was that later? Uh, the salaryman sort of thing? Yeah. I, I know that there, there was a, there's a point in history that's like known for it rising, but I'm curious if that was that during that period, because that'd be, again, interesting for the isolation of, if, you know, the theme of isolation, if that was if those were to coincide as well. Uh-huh. Um, and how, again, how, having a computer would make working easier, but then that isolation easier. Yeah, well. and actually, I want to look something up, too, as I had this, because I'm wondering if this term was kind of coins uh, with that, you know, is was this the rise, this movie filmed with the rise of hikikomori, which mm. is the term for, um, this is a big phenomenon in Japan for many, many different reasons, but basically so many young people are retreating into their own rooms, not leaving, and they're generally enabled by their parents or caretaker who just leave food outside their doorstep and that sort of thing. Uh, but a lot of them retreated into technology, and that's basically where they live. Um in its severe, severe societal, social withdrawal. And it is a big problem over in uh, Japan. Modern day hermit is a good way to put it mm-hmm. on that front. Um, but definitely that sort of thing takes, I mean, this movie is very much along that line, along that level. Um, so I'm wondering if that was a societal impact or like an inspiration for this particular movie. I'm trying to see on that front right there. If there's anything quickly on that front, but. Yeah, that's that's just another thought I had. Um, 
but yeah, no, I am just, uh, yeah, again, like, this is why I really like this movie, because it spurs these thoughts in me in terms of, well, was it influenced by that? Because it is that time capsule of that particular instance. Um, but yeah, I suppose now I kind of want to go on into actually talking a little bit more about the movie, what I like about it in particular, and different aspects and that sort of thing. So uh, do you want to jump into spoiler territory? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sounds good. Yeah, if you have not seen Pulse 2001, um, highly recommend it. Uh, my only thing, and I will complain about this one, I don't know about you, I had a really hard time finding a digital copy. I think every copy that I found has these white burned-in subtitles, uh, which were awful. And like even on, I, I, I started watching this on Amazon Prime, and like it's burned in and then Amazon has their own subtitles, but it's just subtitles on top of subtitles. And oh. also the offset on Amazon Prime was not good either. Like the subtitles will pop up about 10 seconds before the characters actually spoke. Hmm. Um, so I tried some other streaming sites and all of them had the exact same file with the burned in white subtitles, which were just kind of hard to read. So I don't know if anyone's listening and they know any like where we can find a copy of this movie legally um that does not have these burned in subtitles and has another set of them definitely would recommend seeking that out because that definitely was kind of shitty um and i'm assuming like it was white ghost kind of contributing to the otherworldly feel yeah that's fine but at the same time it was kind of hard to figure it out um or actually read the subtitles when they're right on that front uh but yeah let's get into spoiler territory then uh so yeah uh where do you want to go from here uh, that's a great question. <laughs> well, let's yeah. start, let's uh, start, let's, uh, oh, actually, yeah, sorry, where you want to start? Because I feel like you, you know more about this movie than I do. Uh, kind of, yeah. Um, I mean, did you have an idea? No, not really. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, it seemed like you were. I had, I had some faith in you. I was going to say um, characters, as we always do, but that seems... Uh, that, yeah, that's... no, characters characters <laughs> definitely work on that front. So we've got our two characters right here. We've got our two main ones, which are Michi and then Ryosuke. Uh, Michi is... Uh, I, I, I guess she's just working girl working on the managing the plant shop, selling that back and forth. Um, Wait, it's a shop. Yeah, it's a, those are, they were selling plants. Oh, I didn't know there. I, I was so confused. I thought she was like a bio. <laughs> I thought she was like part of like a study team, and they were studying the plants because like we only just see them kind of. They, they walk in there, they spray them with some water, and they walk out. And I'm like, all right, yeah. What is your job? Because like, yeah, like, there's they, the, the bosses there. Like, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Nobody comes in yeah, there to buy I, shit. There's no prices. There's <laughs> It's the worst shop ever. It's on, it's on a fucking roof. <laughs> yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Um, it, they don't explain that it is a shop at that point. And I could definitely see, like, it's some sort of university research project, which would make sense with the other plot line as well, where mm-hmm. he is a university student, so that would make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, no, Michi uh, is there, and she is someone who is just, like, constantly checking in on her friends. She is one that is constantly trying to get that social connection, develop those connections with other people, whether it's her boss or her coworkers or other people as well. Um, but ultimately, by the end of the movie, she's only left with herself. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one is Ryosuke, who is kind of our young, hip, ooh, I want to check out this internet. I'm <laughs> studying at college sort of thing. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun to watch him, like, try and piece together, you know, how do you you know, work this computer. How do you dial on in? How do you take a, was a screenshot at some point? Oh, yes. uh, yeah, he has to learn how to do that. Um, but again, I mean, like it was new for everybody. We all went through it. <laughs> so the, the, the nostalgia when he logs on, you hear the dial up tone. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, that made me grinning so much. I was just like, uh-huh. I don't, and so I actually have a question for you real quick with, with, uh-huh. uh, uh, real skate, like the movie starts off with him. Did he just get a computer? Did you interpret it as like, he, like, I, this is maybe a weird question. 
how did you just start getting the internet? Like, I seem to, I know that you plug it into a phone line. Like, you could mm-hmm. just do that? You could just plug, like, I, I, I grew up in the AOL age, but I just, like, you know, obviously I was, like, a child. So I knew what it was, and I was playing, I played it on my dad's computer, like, you know, and all the time and stuff. And I learned so I am... But, I, I am your elder, so I may, yeah. may, may call, you, you may call me senpai if you want to, um, but basically, um, no, so you've got your computer, and then if, during that age, if you needed to go ahead and dial up to the internet, um, you would have to go ahead and actually install a program on there, whether it's AOL, or whether mm-hmm. it's um, MSN, or anything like that, um, usually came, yeah, usually came in the form <laughs> of a... Uranus, it's wonderful. Um, usually came in the form of some sort of disk or some sort of floppy disk, but yeah. yeah, the software did need to be installed beforehand, and then you did have to go ahead and click connect to. It would run through, make that dial-up noise, and then you're good to go right there. Um, so I interpreted this, especially since he had a few disks already, and it seemed like that computer had been used um, then, basically, um, I, I assumed he had the computer and then the internet was launching, and I was just like, okay, I'll connect to it. Because computers were widely used mm. way before then. Um, but the internet, everyone in the 90s was kind of connecting to it and that sort of thing. He just wanted so. to be a hip, a hip, cool student. And he was like, yo, going to get on the internet, going to find some chat rooms, you know, mm-hmm. cool things. Um, yeah, okay. I, I was just like, I was like, huh. Like, I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, like, clearly he probably just plugged his phone line in. But I'm like, so this guy just plugged us in, playing on the internet for funsies. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It seems so weird to me just starting off like that. Uh, but I guess yeah, yeah, now what he did is he plugged it in, and then he was, like, following instructions or something like that. But there was also the disk that he installed, and that's where he'd get the, uh, you know, do you want to see a goose? Uh, a, go- a, goose. A, goose. <laughs> a goose. Do you want to see do a goose? You, yes. Do you want to see a ghost um, on that front right there? Which, uh, fun fact, one of the um, ghosts that he sees on his computer, uh, the one that's kind of laying on the desk and then kind of sits up and then kind of looks around all confused, uh, that was actually the director, uh, Kiyoshi, oh, really? uh, Kurosawa. So. Fun fact, oh, then. That is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I had a question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. The mo- So I, when this movie first started off, I assumed it was going to go into, because we, um, Michi is looking, or her friend, uh, one of the first um, deaths in the movie, uh, Toshio Yabe, he, she, uh, he goes to go uh, find him, and he uh, he has this disc they want. And I assumed, again, that's why I assumed there were some weird botany things. I assumed it was some like data-related trees or plants mm-hmm. um but that just never came back to have any consequence did it like i assumed that it was that the virus is on the disc or the ghost on the disc but that never happened it was like on the floppy right that wasn't that wasn't related that had nothing to do with this at all no i don't think so i think okay. it was just kind of a way for her to go to the apartment and see him you know actually off himself which i i'd love that scene like just to kind of spell it for you if you haven't seen the movie which you should but um yeah basically she goes to the apartments well backing up a little bit uh, one of her co-workers has some sort of data disk. I don't know if it's like a Excel spreadsheet of orders or, you know, inventory or something like that. But th- th- there's some sort of project that they're working on that he- she needs the disk for. It doesn't really matter. Um, but basically, she goes over to his apartment because he hasn't been seen in a few days. And she goes on in. And he's there. And he seems kind of depressed and sullen. But he's there. And she's talking and doesn't think anything's wrong. And then literally, like, he walks into the background, and then she's kind of playing with the computer, looking over the data, and then she's like, okay, I'm ready to go now. And then she kind of looks around, and uh, let's see, what, what's his name? Yabe, I think his name was. I think it was, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was Yabe, or I can't remember, or, if, or is it Taguchi? Oh, Taguchi. 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 Yeah, I'm sorry, Yabe's the other guy. Yabe's the, the, the other friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Taguchi, and she's like, Taguchi, Taguchi, I'm ready to go. And then she walks on back to his uh, little bedroom area, and, like, he's already hung himself, um, and, like, it's 
very like his neck is really stretched. It's a pretty uh, cool shot, honestly, in terms of like the special effects and the way it did. Which is one complaint I would do have about this movie. It was filmed in 2001, and when they do decide to use CGI, it it shows. <laughs> it has not aged well. Um, but the practical effects have still really, really good on that front, and I just, I love that. And that's actually uh, kind of brings me to the other point as well. The different, what did you think of just like how death was handled in this movie? The retreating into the walls with the black suits, and then, of course, the suicide scenes, like the woman jumping from the top of the silo, or that sort of thing like what did, what did you think about the deaths and how it was handled like in terms of the content of how it was handled or how it was like performed um both all right <laughs> uh, I, I liked it i and i, I like the variation um because i you know i feel like this movie could have easily gone like final destination and people killing themselves in weird fucking ways yeah so i, I like the subtlety or the bluntness of it depending on which one it was um and i kind of wonder i'm curious if that was intentional for each character like, because I feel like there's an implication that um, Taguchi was already dead, that like Taguchi had killed himself already, mm-hmm. but like, because um, when she goes back there, the 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 things already that the the um, I apologize the stains already there, so I kind of assumed uh-huh. that he was already dead at that point, and that it, I don't know it was it was she was already like there's a ghost something going on, but then like some of the people who killed themselves later, um, like I I uh, like the girl jumps out. I wonder if that's more of like. Because, you know, I feel like there's two different types of suicide in this. There's the person who kind of lets himself fade away, which I think is like, you mm-hmm. know, apathy or like kind of just, you know, giving up. But then the people who kill themselves, which I almost wonder, is that giving up more or is that actually taking more of an active role in what's going on? Is that like, I fucking hate the ghost around me, so I'm going to kill myself and I don't want to be lonely like them. I don't want to be, I don't want to just fade away into this and I want to go out in a different way. Or is it, you know, like I, I'm, I'm trying to wonder if there is a significance behind that about people killing themselves versus being taken away. Or mm-hmm. I don't know how you describe what they did, what happens to them. But yeah, and I just backing up a little bit on this front. So the way they do do in this movie is basically if so the ghosts are the way this movie presents it is that the spirit realm or whatever you want to call it is full. So the ghosts are leaking over into the physical realm and the way they're using it. um, One of the characters says something like this is um, they're coming on over through any means they can and it just so happens to be dial-up connections internets again this was filmed in 2001 it's preying on the fear of technology and that sort of thing Ooh, what could it do um but looking on through that that's what they kind of use to leverage and they kind of exist and appear in this particular physical realm um so these ghosts are showing on up and they start interacting with people in this world and as they continue to interact with these people we never exactly see 100% 100% how, because it kind of cuts out. Um, but after a person has interacted with a ghost in a particular way, they become sullen, they become depressed, they become withdrawn, they don't talk to anyone, they don't do anything. It's like they kind of give up on just being a person. And from there, they either go ahead and do an action, like they hang themselves, or they jump from a silo, or they literally just kind of fade into the wall as a black suit sort of thing. Uh, which I thought was very interesting. Um, But what really terrifies me about this concept is the fact that, yeah, you can meet a ghost, you could interact with this ghost, this ghost does something to you that basically shuts off your brain. It basically takes away your will to keep on going, keep on living. So, yeah, I don't have an answer to your question in terms of what makes people, like, physically take the action to kill themselves or what makes the people take the action to just fade away into whatever it is. Um, but again, it kind of feels like it's not so much a 
active contagion. It's more so a force of nature. This is happening to you. This is the inevitable outcome. Once you have been infected by this thing, or once you have been modified by this thing, I don't know the word, imprinted by a ghost, then this is the inevitable outcome. And Mm -hmm. you can continue to walk on through your life and try and do it, but it's just... And people can try and help you, but it's become more and more withdrawn mm-hmm. um, in that catatonic state. What I find the interesting thing, too, is like I almost wonder if, if the, uh, you know, the, the fading away is the sign of like pre-existing depression or, or, or not. Because um, what I always thought, what I found interesting when we first had that scene with, um, so after the death of um, Taguchi, they, uh, uh, they go and have like lunch or I don't know, they're, they're sitting in a restaurant. And, mm-hmm. Uh, Michi and uh, Yabe and uh, Junko and uh, they're talking about like you know how could you do this to yourself and Yabe says or not sorry not Yabe yeah Yabe says like you know I, I see how it could happen I feel that way sometimes and they don't mm-hmm. fucking address it he's like a man just killed himself and he's like yeah I, I could you know I, I sometimes feel like killing myself and the two girls don't fucking address it <laughs> and I'm like oh shit so when he obviously you know he gets he gets turned by one of the more I don't know, turns the right word but he gets in he gets influenced uh, in one mm-hmm. of the like more popular scenes of the film, and um, he becomes somebody who fades away from what we see. We don't see him die, and I almost wonder if that's because he already is suicidal, and so for him it's just it's it's a very slight push. So he just kind of I can lets himself that. go yeah. out while like maybe that girl jumped from the silo, or maybe um, Taguchi, um, or uh, I forget what the girl's name uh, um, that Ryosuke meets. Um, uh, uh, Harui, Harui, Harui. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, maybe that, like because you know, mm-hmm. they kind of go out, like they're trying to fight to find something, and so maybe that's mm-hmm. like a, a difference. Especially her, the way she goes out at the end is interesting in terms of how she's feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like you know, I'm curious about like that's what I'm trying to think if there is some some alternate story to who these people are and what they're doing. Because um, like for example, Junko just completely gives up, and then not only does she become a stain but then she just the stain crumbles mm-hmm. like you know, if you think about like a stain being left behind by who you are if you think about like you know people being uh forgotten you know that others that there's a period of time where people they're finding people in like the, the elder generation in japan they were just they were you know they were isolated and just dying in their apartments and that's that kind of idea that what you leave behind is a stain so I think that's kind of like you know disappearing versus like actively killing yourself uh mm-hmm. which i think are interesting um uh, yeah, I don't know what, what the commentary on that is. That is intentional. Apparently, there is a book of this, and I kind of want to read it to see if there is more information on that. And this was written by the director, so I think that you know the intentionality will be there. Um, yeah, definitely. And of course, too, like you know, suicide in Japan is historically been a major problem, and unfortunately, a huge part of their cultural identity at this point. So um, it kind of hits home um, mm-hmm. for a lot of people on that front. And I have a question for you. So I know you mentioned mm-hmm. kind of the idea that death in this is more of like a persistent existence. Um, the the ghosts are constantly saying, help me, or Taskete. Um, mm-hmm. Did you take that as the people who are dying saying, like, Taskete? Like, you know, they're, they're dying and they're falling into this and they're saying, help me, or the people who are dead saying, help me in this, in this isolation I've become part of? Yes, I would say it's definitely the latter, where, again, I, I my headcanon is these ghosts are a force of nature at this point. They can't help themselves. They can't help what they're doing. Their minds are just shattered, and they've been broken beyond, where all they can do is try and reach out for connection. But unfortunately, while they're trying to do that, because they're so ingrained with their own loneliness at this point, it's affecting negatively other people as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
So help me, I am assuming it is, help me save me from this loneliness. Help me save me from this death I currently have, where it's just nothing but isolation and loneliness all the time. I can't take it anymore. Trying to reach out to people, trying to develop them. Because, I mean, if you're a ghost and you've been lonely and isolated for your entire death existence... Um, or anti-existence, I guess you can call it. And then you make your way over to the physical realm where there's all these connections. You know, it, it's kind of like you're starving and then all of a sudden you're filled with a buffet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I took it on that front. Um, on that front. Yeah. And then, so and my, my other kind of follow-up question for, you, for that, uh, with that idea is with the, using the internet, I, you know, I think it makes sense that they can come through, you know, the idea that they're coming through this frequency. I think there's something like white noise that does the same thing. Um, but what, how did you feel about like the idea of like a, not like, a, almost like a chat room setup, where they because like, remember when Rielski first logs on and says, "Would you like to talk to a ghost? Would you like mm-hmm. to meet a ghost?" For, for me, that I think in retro like, I was an interesting premise to start off the movie. But in retrospect, with the idea of depression and this eventuality, it seems weird that the computer prompted that. Um, yeah. I almost kind of wish that part wasn't involved. Like, yeah, I, I like got that of, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it, it definitely feels like that's a trailer shot in terms of a little tagline right there. Because again, it's just like, okay, these ghosts are coming on over, they're leveraging this particular program on that front, and that's how they're using the technology to come on over to this world. Who's making these discs? <laughs> Who is distributing them? How did it mm-hmm. get into this person's hands? That sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I agree. That was a little bit weird. And that actually brings me to another point as well. Unfortunately, there are some, again, with the subtitles, there are some translation stuff. Like, um, for example, when um, uh, Yabe goes to uh, Taguchi's apartment and basically sees a piece of paper that's been fallen behind a desk and it says, uh, and the Amazon Prime, sub, Prime subtitles I watched, it just says, The Forbidden Room, mm-hmm. which in the context of the movie... Basically, you find out that if you take red tape and then you tape over a door that the ghost is contained in, it'll prevent the ghost from escaping. So there's later on in the movie where, like, you see a red door, uh, there's a there's a tape over a door, but the door is wide open, and then you can infer that the ghost has escaped. Um, apparently, the direct translation is more so how to create a forbidden room. And it's just like, okay, that makes much more sense. So, so unfortunately, unfor- yeah, there are some translation issues. I have a question about that. So well, I, I did uh-huh. read that apparently the red tape doesn't matter. It's, so the, the, the tape being red is something that, that the American remake made as like a, it's a frequency that ghosts can't pass through. But in this movie, it's supposed mm-hmm. to just be like, it's a tape people had. And apparently also it's a symbol of like shrines and stuff, but it wasn't, it doesn't need to be red. Apparently yeah, based it's, on this. it's supposed to be uh, more of a, I think they said like something when they were talking about the construction team and they have that little flashback later on, it's not, it's more symbolic than anything else. It's not yeah. so much the actual material, but the action behind it, which is very Japanese, but. And then the American remake apparently made it all about the red tape. Apparently the sequels yeah, are all yeah. about the red tape and the color red, <laughs> which is insane. Bureaucracy, um, yay. But, you know, other than the little, like, every time I see, like, when I, when I heard that it was actually how to make a uh, forbidden room, I'm like, oh, it's like a Minecraft tutorial. But, um, so, <laughs> so in, in that case, I have a question about that. So is the forbidden room, it's that a ghost inhabits, somebody died or something happened in that room, or maybe there's a, there's a, um, a stain in the room of death. And so you, all you're doing is sealing off the room. They're not creating a room where the ghost can inhabit. The ghost already inhabits the room, and they're just sealing it off. Is that is that correct? Yes, I interpreted it as they're already in the realm. They're already in the room. They're exploring around the physical realm, but using that red tape kind of traps them in there. So I guess my question is, like, if, for example, in the one that um, Yabe goes to, I didn't see any technology in that room. So why was the ghost in that room? Like, it makes I think it makes sense to me that like you know to to section off 
um, Taguchi's uh, mm-hmm. room because it's that. But we, I feel like we don't see that happen in this. So because we see that girl, uh, that girl is taping off that room, which I'm assuming that's a girl who kills herself later. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then we see like um, I for, I don't know who who taped off the room where um, Junko goes into. Uh, but it's interesting because none of those rooms have to, all those rooms I thought were devoid of technology. Which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. I didn't know. At least I didn't notice any. Maybe there was some. Just the lighting didn't show it. Um, so yeah. like, so these rooms are rooms where somebody identifies a spirit and then tapes them off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. and it could also be that the ghost, you know, came on in through another room that does have technology and then starts wandering around, and then that's when people start interacting with it and realize, oh shit, there's someone in there. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and tape it off. So mm-hmm. that's it. Might be that as well. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be the origin points. The the ghosts are you know obviously capable of moving around. So. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, the, the scene where, um, oh gosh, uh, Yube, uh, he, uh, or Yabe, um, gets infected by this ghost or imprinted. Um, that is one of the shots, uh, that is just very highly popularized. The woman kind of dance walking down the corridor mm. and she stumbles a little bit in the light and then comes on back with the music and everything like that like that has been one scene where so many horror critics have said like this is the most well put together one of the well most put together horror movie scenes of all time and it, it's definitely really good it's the very very good scene especially mm. when like he looks under the couch and he doesn't see any of the shoes and then he looks on up and she's just kind of on the edge of the couch staring down at him that's uh yeah i love that Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which as well, in terms of deaths, um, I also really was, I mean, this movie was not, did not cost much to make. Um, it, it was fairly low budget. I'm trying to see if I can find the actual budget on this one. Um, but it, it definitely looks like a low budget movie. I mean, good, good concept. They do really well with it for the most part. Like, again, there's some CG issues. Um, but I did really like how they handled the, um, jumping scene from the silo. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that was that was practical. Um, they actually had someone jump from there, but she had a bungee cord attached to it. So basically, they had two shots together. They had a um, woman jumping off. So they you know they filmed her going on up and then jumping off. And then they had another shot in the same location where they dropped a dummy. And then they composited the two shots together as she was falling. Um, it was seamless. It was great. Yeah, it was really really impressive how they did that. That was that was a really good shot. Um, but yeah, I mean some of the CG later on like. The when um, Junko fades away into the suit <laughs> and then kind of falls out the window, like okay, that that looked really bad. Um, oh one no, of I, the ghost rooms by the boathouse later on. Sorry, go ahead. I want to say I will say I, so. I watched the comparison of the Junko scene in um, uh, in, in this version, and then they compare it to the remake. And damn, I don't I don't know how, but I feel almost like the remake did it worse. <laughs> it looks so dumb. <laughs> I gotta watch that. I gotta watch that video now. It's it's such like a nine like a nineties, you know, an early two thousands horror movie look, but then it's that it's almost like the same fucking effect. You're just like, uh-huh. But I feel like but I feel like in that one, she doesn't turn into a a, a stain for so that the guy just directly turns into I can't remember, but I think the guy just directly disappears. Or the girls, <laughs> and it looks so dumb. Um mm-hmm. so bad. Uh terrible. Um but yeah, like honestly, even that, even that scene, like it, it looked, it was dumb. But I think like it was like it looked bad. But I feel like it's it's in that such a weird state of like such an, like a, I don't know how to describe it. Um, what do you call it when you're just out of place? I don't know. It's so novel and like you weren't you're already in such a weird kind of place in this movie that like I, honestly I didn't bat an eye at it. I was like, oh okay, like I was like, what the fuck's going mm-hmm. like weird. Like, I think I think it's a weird choice just in general that they kind of break apart like that. I like the idea more of them staying forever as a permanent stain, um, but. 
I, you know, the effect I feel like you're, when you're in the movie and you know the the effects and the grain of the film are already kind of sub to a degree. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it didn't bother me when that happened. Yeah, and like it is very much like this. You know, it's it was made in two thousand and one. Like that was kind of what they had to go with. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm not doing too much on that front. Um, the plane later on too. There's a plane oh, yeah. crash, and that's very obviously kind of composited in. Um, yeah, that didn't look too great either. But I mean, yeah, it's it just not. it's an older movie. It's 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 aged. It, they did what they could. So mm-hmm. yeah, Let, let's talk a little yeah. bit about R- Ryosuke's story because I feel like we, we talked a lot about sure. uh, Michi. Um, so. Yeah, so, so Ryosuke's story we were mentioned, he already, he tries getting the internet, uh, you know, he's getting into the internet, he finds the ghost room, he um, he meets a girl, um, Harue, who's like a, she's like a, I'm assuming she's like a, another college student, she knows about technology, mm-hmm. I guess it's, um, and basically works in like a computer lab, it looks like, at the school. Um, what did you think about her as a character, and kind of her relationship with uh, Ryosuke? Like, and her yeah, relationship, I guess, was... to depression as well. Yeah, I, I, I did like their relationship because it kind of starts off where they're just kind of curious about, ooh, there's this weird technology thing going on. Let's go ahead and explore it together, Scooby-Doo gang. But after a while, she becomes more and more retreated and depressed in herself. And Ryosuke, again, he's kind of like a showing anime protagonist. He's got a very can-do attitude all the time. Um, but even with that attitude, when faced with the power of these ghosts and the full-scale invasion that they eventually do, that it's um, it's a little, you know, he, he can't, measure up to that and he can't save her on that front um so i really yeah i liked how their relationship kind of developed um i like how it was completely aromantic there really wasn't anything going on they just kind of cared about each other and by the end of it it wasn't so much i mean everyone in this movie it wasn't so much you know developing a relationship or a friendship it was just they were seeking for human connection in any way they could um you know Mm -hmm. finding another person who has not been infected by one of these ghosts yeah, um, but yeah. What about you? I really, I really liked it. I, I, at first, I was really annoyed by. Um, I don't know if it's Harue or Harue. I can't remember. Um, but I really liked. I liked it. Um, her character. Like, I was annoyed her by her at first because she was not at first, but later on because she was just kind of like she. I felt like her ter- character took a pivot. She was very mm-hmm. interested in the ghost stuff, and then all of a sudden she started becoming really kind of nihilistic. But I kind of like that idea in the sense that I feel like she was. I like, like he's mentioned, he's an, always an optimist, and I kind of get the impression that she was always a pessimist. Like, she has that friend who's making, who apparently knows about ghosts already, and is making, has a little dot <laughs> experiment. Um, but this idea that she thinks ghosts exist, or she knows ghosts exist, I guess, and she's just looking for evidence of it, and I think almost in a defeatist way. Like, I feel like we're missing part of her story. Like, I almost feel like there's some backs of her parents dying or something like that, because we get this impression that she's really fascinated with death. Um, but I, I like that towards the end of the movie, she really kind of loses it. She comes in, like, I, I don't, I don't, and I like to think that's not because just because she saw the ghosts, but just because she knows that they're real and she knows, and she, once she confirmed it, that these ghosts are here and they're seeping through, she gave up just on that alone. And it wasn't the fact that she interacted with one, but like this idea that she knows that death is nothing just kind of made her lose motivation. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just a very interesting thing because I always kind of think that of that idea you know, don't talk about religion and stuff. Like, I, I, you know, I, I remember talking to my friend about it in the past about, like, you know, obviously um, our, our difference of opinion, like, not opinions, but he, like, we we're talking about religion and what we kind of think is going on. And he mentioned, like, you know, like, well, if you don't um, believe in a religion afterlife, then that kind of makes afterlife depressing. Like, in the idea that, like, you know, if, 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 if after death is nothing, just an eternity of nothing, you know, what's the point to a degree? Like, you know, that's, that's a kind of a depressing thought. And I think that's kind of what this is, is she realizes that after death is nothing and her, 
we kind of see a shift in her character from being this kind of like pragmatist, you know, knowing technology, knowing things, trying to investigate things to just kind of giving up. And there's mm-hmm. that scene where she sees um, herself on the camera as one of the people, one of the, one of the faces, one of the people of isolation and going to it because she wants, she thinks she won't be alone because she sees people isolated in the camera and then she sees herself and that means that somebody else is there and she doesn't want to yeah. be alone. And then even after that, when, um, at that point she's already kind of given up and there's that scene where they get on the train to try to get out of there and um, uh, Ryosuke is like, I'll be with you, I'll stay with you forever, but she's already kind of given up. And like, it's that idea that like, you need to have confidence in yourself and him trying mm-hmm. to, like, for, you know, that force leash shown protagonist, like, leave it to me to carry your troubles <laughs> doesn't work. And she's like, no, nah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. Um, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I think it really, again, like, you know, this movie is a lot about like, kind of depression and I think that's a very good interpretation of it this idea that this kid can't just kind of in, put his infectious energy into her or all the caring in the world i think even like you know kind of implies that he's really into her and like you know wants to stay with her forever i think he says something like that like mm-hmm. i'll stay with you till the end i'll say you know you won't be alone because i'll be here and she's like that's that's that's, that's empty that's not what she knows that's wants not what she needs um i wish they developed her character more but like the hints at what could be her back character i really enjoyed um, yeah you know even though her her end was very depressing and sad um, mm-hmm. And I think that, again, I think that makes it a stronger character because um, she is. Such I agree. A I, change. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I I agree. I really like the arc she went on through, and just uh, it, to me personally, she kind of felt like a intellectual. Like she was mm-hmm. looking for all the answers, and then when faced with something, she wasn't able to rationalize. Like she could not handle it. Um, on that front, right there, and it, it's just kind of I don't know why, but I kind of thought of just a concept that I've kind of learned through years of therapy in terms of me personally, I tend to be a very intellectual sort of person. Like if I'm faced with a problem that's bothering me, I go straight into, you know, Oh, I'll go ahead and fix it intellectually mode. If it's not a problem anymore, then I can't be worried about it. And over the years, I've kind of learned to realize that, yeah, I can do that. I can go ahead and certainly fix the problem, but you know, I still have to remember to deal with the emotional components of it as well. If something pisses me off or makes me upset or makes me angry or makes me depressed, I still have those emotions to process and work on through. And that is kind of one thing that is, like you said before, Ryosuke, where he was trying to externally solve the problems, but at the same time, she's too far gone at that point. Um, you know, but of course, in that particular instance, it was because supernatural ghosts and getting that squared away. Mm-hmm. What so, I, yeah. I wondered too, because like I, we don't really see what happens to her uh, her buddy, you know that the guy the, the grad student or whoever the guy's with her, um, yeah, yeah, who makes who makes the dots. We don't see what happens to him, but I always kind of assume that he went into the 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 like again. I, she's a violent death, but I think we mm-hmm. I think he, I assume he kind of faded away as well because he accepts it very early on. They talk about the ghosts and he like trying to that was scene where he makes Ryosuke try to chase the ghost. I'm like that's mm-hmm. a terrible idea. What the fuck's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> but also that ghost is out in the open, which is interesting. Um, but if you think about it, like he was he was investigating, but kind of accepted. He's like, oh, here's my fading dots. Here's this. Here's my theory on how this works. And he's explaining it, but he's accepting it. And I think mm-hmm. she had a hard time with that, which I think is why she doesn't go into it in the end. She, even at the end, she's like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And so you think that she's gone because we see the stain, but then we find out later that she's the the, the ghost theoretically that went back into the stain, right? So that she was left alone by herself again, and that's why she kills herself. Yeah. Uh, which I find interesting, though. Like, you know, even even when she goes, she you know, she allows herself to be taken, quote unquote, by the ghosts. They still don't take her, and she has to kill herself, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. But definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I just overall, I just I really enjoy talking about this movie. I really enjoy the time capsule in terms of what it ended up being, and just 
yeah, I, I can definitely see why this movie has been so influential. This is definitely a movie that kind of, you know, pops up every now and then and kind of, I think about it and I think about exploring these concepts further a little bit. And overall, yeah, I just, I really enjoy this movie. Could not recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. Don't recommend the American remake. I still haven't seen it, but for all intents and purposes, um, it's pretty terrible. But I will be looking at that comparison after we finish <laughs> this up. <laughs> and so what, last question, what do you think of the ending of the film? I liked it. Like, mm-hmm. I love how the third act just went to full-on 28 Days Later, apocalyptic, nobody on the streets, like people just giving up and being suits all over and no one's driving and then all the infrastructure just kind of breaking down a little bit. Um, I, I do think the isolation is there throughout the entire movie because even at the beginning of the movie when there's still other people around, they're all like really way back into the background or they're kind of seen through a lens where they're not the main focus or not even a focus at all. They're just kind of there in the decoration. So even from the very beginning of the movie, that's kind of how it is. Um, But the ending um, where Ryosuke finally gives up and kind of fades on into the back, he is the person who wanted to live the most throughout the entire movie. And him now kind of scumming to it, I thought was a very poetic way to kind of end it on that front. And then, of course, just the whole uncertainty of we'll just continue on. Mm. Um, We don't know if there's going to be a solution. We're going to go ahead and try the best we can. Like at this point in the world, which is, you know, a terrifying apocalypse, there's not much you can do besides just kind of going on in and trying your best to yeah. see what else you can do. So what about you? I, I know, same boat. I, I, I do. I love like the 20 days later and I like the restraint it had because I feel like if we were to make this movie now or, you know, I, I, again, I haven't seen I haven't seen how they, the, the remake ends, but I could see them doing some big like, you know jump cut montage people dying or fading away Mm -hmm. but in this one it's just we don't even see it happening it's just everybody's gone um and i really liked that um and like you said i I love uh real death or not death what what happens well whatever happens what happens to him his fade Mm -hmm. like like what you know what what triggers his fade again you know we talked about how um um sorry uh what's her name Harue uh, dies or you know kind of fights against it but then is so afraid of being alone and so afraid of that death that she kind of succumbs to it um, I find it really interesting the way that Ryosuke deals when he finally faces a ghost he first hides from it and is just kind of sitting there staring at him um, and he kind of hides from it and then decides that like it's not real like and like you know again it's that we were talking about earlier him kind of pushing through being like oh you, know, you can push through the sadness you can you know just ignore it and it'll go away and he runs at it and grabs it to be like, you're not real. You're not here. This is not a real thing. And it just, it is real. And it's just like, I forget what it says. It's like, I, I'm true. I'm here. I'm real. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very, again, if we're talking about depression and this like emptiness, like it's that, it's that idea that it's like, yeah, you can't avoid me. Like I, I am a real thing. You can't just like pretend I'm not here. Um, mm-hmm. Really like that. I thought that was great. And, and that's what kind of hits him. And, you know, it's that idea like, did he go over, become overcome by it? Did he just be consumed by pushing off his own sadness over the time? So it just kind of hits him in a wave. Um, I thought that was interesting. And I'm curious if the idea that, because I guess the question that is with Michi, what makes her different? Um, and I wonder if it's because she doesn't, like, I wonder if the if the, if the difference is that maybe Ryosuke ignores it and kind of is like happy-go-lucky, I can push past it, while maybe Michi accepts it. So she doesn't fight against it. She doesn't go over the deep end into it. She just kind of accepts that this is what's happening. Like pretty, I feel like she she is that kind of character who kind of goes with the flow. So she's kind of like understands that this is going on, and maybe that's what her thing is, is that she's accepting of it 
which I guess, you know, it's that idea of like she develops coping strategies, almost you could say. Yeah, I think it's just the mere fact that Ryosuke did go into a forbidden room and she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, dumb luck on that point. Um, and I think that the roles were reversed. We may have seen a reversal of the ending as well. No, Dan, um, I mean the metaphorical implications of who she is the character. Oh, uh, okay, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I get that. I definitely... Yeah, I like that phrase because through the entire movie, like she is the one looking for human connection. She is the one looking to support and help and get everyone out on that front. So, did Yasuke yeah. ever, ever encounter a forbidden room before before that point? Was that his nope. first time? So, so he just didn't know time. he didn't know it was the thing. He yeah, yeah. Um, actually, no, he knew about the forbidden rooms because um, the, the the gas canister or the tank or whatever it is kind of rolls on into the room. Hmm. Um, but they did say something earlier, like, you know, if you see any forbidden rooms, make sure to stay out. I okay. think he might have been too much of an optimist to be like, okay, I'll go in there real quick and grab it and then get out. Or it just may have been curiosity. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, everyone tells me that these are really... It, it's like a kid, and it's just like, the stove is hot. Well, i got to touch it for myself to see if it's hot. Oh, it is hot. Okay, never mind. <laughs> then, so, I mean, there's even some, like, teen, like, made this, like, teen hubris of, like, it won't affect me. Like, yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. It, won't, it won't do anything to me. Um, which does fit his character so yeah like and i don't know and that, that scene at the end where she says she's with her friend like was that because he's gone and she's gonna stay with him like she's gonna not let him be alone is that like, like I, is that what you interpreted that as like i, I was kind of wondering she's like, i'm you know i'm here with my my friend and i wondered if that was because she was saying like i'm not gonna let him be alone like i'm gonna mm-hmm. not avoid him i'm not gonna like you know yeah, know. that's kind of where I was thinking of too. Like the, she kind of resigned herself to the fact that uh, yeah, we we're, we found each other, we developed human connection in a world that is literally being hostile towards human connection. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and try and stick with them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I get. Hmm. No, I, All right. No, speaking of their connection, I do love the way they meet, where he just finds her like <laughs> passed out in a car, and he's like, "You you want a coke?" She like <laughs> opens up the soda machine. I was like, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of a, a a nice little mute cute in the middle of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep, good stuff. Um, but yeah, cool. But yeah, that is Pulse. Uh, definitely, if you are a fan of J horror, I definitely recommend that one. Um, other movies I've seen in terms of J horror recommended, obviously the original Rain. Um, the original grudge uh one missed call is one of them dark water is another one these are all kind of lumped together on that front um and they're all pretty good movies too so hmm. uh, but yeah definitely check those out on that front uh, but pulse i just if you if you're looking for a slow burn horror that um provides a time capsule into the y2k era of japan uh, with technology definitely take a look at that one. Oh, actually so I, yeah then, did, did you know that the director of this is the one who directed sweet home I was just about to say that, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, I was actually looking at the Wikipedia, and I decided to click his name as we were recording. I was just like, "Oh shit, Sweet Home." So, listeners who do not—I mean, do you want to introduce Sweet Home? No, you can go for it. I think I think you have a more personal connection to it. (laughs) Okay, so um, yes, uh, basically, listeners who um, don't know about this one, and this is kind of popular in a lot of horror and especially video game circles as well. Um, So, depending on your definition, um, Sweet Home um, on the original Nintendo Entertainment System can be regarded as one of the very first survival horror games ever made. Um, And it was adapted into a 1989 movie as well. I believe they were both released around the same time. Um, But yeah, uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, the director of Pulse, also directed Sweet Home as well um, nearly a decade before. So that's Mm -hmm. a cool little bit of trivia right there. I think the movie came out first, didn't it? Uh, It was about the same time, I want to say. Oh, were they? Okay. 
Oh, yeah, it says, yeah, it says think... Wikipedia says alongside. I thought, oh, I that came first. Interesting. Yeah, I think I remember watching a Stop Skeletons from Fighting, formerly Happy Video Game Nerd, um, video <laughs> on that. And I'm pretty sure he said it was around the same time. And he also said, too, like, the movie was just okay. But he's not really a, well, he is a horror fan. So, I don't know. I might, I might have to watch it and do my own little opinion on it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but, it, yeah, cool. Is that a is that Netflix series Sweet Home the same thing? Mm, don't believe so, no. No? Okay. Yeah, I think that one's Korean, actually. Yeah, I think that, I can't remember, but I think. Hmm, interesting. Okay, anyway, I was, I was curious. Um, yeah. Cool. Yep, definitely, but yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yep, All right, right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, once again, this has been Permanent Screwheads Talk Horror. You can listen to our opening theme song. That is Teddy's Atlas. Uh, horror Movie Story is the song. Um, you can get that about the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. I said that slightly differently, and that sounded weird. But you please did. go ahead and listen to Teddy's Atlas. Uh, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Uh, we do have a couple of different movies down the pipeline, but we are active on social media on both Facebook and Instagram. So if you have any requests, go ahead and send them on over. We've done a bunch of them already, um, like Blood for Dracula, Flesh for Frankenstein, um, and other movies as well. So definitely go ahead and let us know if that is the case. Other than that, uh, everybody enjoy your day and stay groovy. Bye. Bye.